Hi, this is Jeannie Patel-Thompson, and I'm here today with uh, Jim M. Key, who is a clinical nutritionist with um, quite a fair amount of experience using raw milk as a healing tool and um, using raw milk diets with his patients. So, Jim, thanks for agreeing to have a quick chat with me today. My pleasure. And uh, I'm not going to get. I have. A, I'll, I'll, I have like a million questions for you, but I'm not going to get into them here. I'm going to save them for our teleseminar that we're going to do. So today, okay. I just want to ask you about um, my situation because I've been on an exclusive raw milk diet for four days now. And oh. um, yeah, I've just been doing. How are you just, feeling? How are you feeling? Jean? Well, pretty crappy actually. <laughs> Oh, oh, I didn't expect that answer. <laughs> okay. The um well what I'm doing is I'm drinking a half gallon a day and then I'm having a little bit of, you know, chicken bone broth. You need you boil the bones and everything oh, with yeah. some veggies sure. for like eight to twelve hours and then just strain off the clear liquid. Uh huh. I know exactly uh, what you mean. Okay, so I figured that would be okay. It wouldn't interfere with the action of the raw milk. Um and I guess my main thing that I'm wondering right now is because, like I said, I feel terrible. I've, I've got fatigue. Um, I, my memory mm-hmm. is shot. I can't remember anything if I don't. When I'm typing emails, I'm spelling everything wrong. It's just, <laughs> and I'm wondering, am I getting, am I not getting enough food, or am I getting a die-off effect? Uh, I think. Uh, it's a die-off effect because a half a gallon of milk is going to give you plenty of protein. It's going to give you, you know, good essential fatty acids. And right now, because the cows that you're getting the milk from, which we're both familiar with, are grass-fed, you're getting omega-3s, uh, you get carbohydrates. You know, milk is a complete food. It's rather remarkable. I know it's got a terrible name, and I'm one who has been very, very allergic to pasteurizing commercial milk in the past, but raw milk is a completely different product. So I think the most likely situation here. Of course, I don't know your situation individually. You might be a hypoglycemic individual. You might have certain things about your body chemistry and your individuality that I'm unaware of. But in general, um, a half a gallon is a minimum amount on a, on a cleanse, but it should be, you know, adequate. I don't even know your height and weight, actually, Jeannie. What what is your height? And weight? I'm five foot seven, and I my normal healthy weight is 125, which is what I'm at uh-huh. right now which is what you're at. So that should be about adequate. I would like to see you take in a little more. I think you're going through a bit of a die-off because I know a little bit about your history, you know, with mm-hmm. intestinal situations and, um, the, you know, the books that you've written about them. And I guess you, the public knows, so I'm not uh, revealing anything here that's confidential, right? No, that's correct. Okay. You, you could tell, okay. you could give every detail of my health history and it would be already in my book. So. <laughs> okay, so, you know, I just hedge my conversation there a little bit because I'm so used to, you know, working with the confidentiality issue. And here I am, in, you know, in a conversation that could be aired to hundreds or even thousands of people, and I go, oh, okay. Uh, so <laughs> I think you're going through a die-off, uh, you know, as okay. far as uh, with your history, I think there's very little doubt that you'd have um, a substantial pathogenic background in the gut. I don't know to what extent it's been cleared. It's clearly to some extent because uh, you've improved so much with the systems that you've, um, you know, applied, the healing systems that you've applied. But there's still a pretty good chance that there's stealth uh, pathogens in the gut. And raw milk is very detoxifying. That's why the British Army used it to cure parasites and soldiers coming back from India, you know, 21-day raw milk fast. Right. Um, And it's just that the probiotic activity in the raw milk, at least this is my theory as to how it works this way, but I think it's the probiotic activity in raw milk 
that uh, takes care of the pathogens. Um, and and I would I would discourage the broth is fine, but I would I would keep it more of a vegetable broth, and um, I would also make sure that you're getting fiber. Uh, are you taking a fiber drink to make sure your no. bowels are moving? That you're having. Yeah, that so was my second question. Is it normal to be constipated? <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. Well, without I always add a fiber drink. And I've had cases with people that when, you know, I'm telling them every day, and they're drinking the fiber drink, but they're still constipated, and then I'll say, you've got to get a colonic, or else I'll teach you how to do home enema, and I mean, you can do a great home enema if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I've had cases where people were 18 days in these programs and just struggling, and, you know, every movement is an effort, and they're just barely functional, and they go get a colonic, and it's like, open up the energy pathway, It's everything clears, and it's bingo. It's well, total transformation. That's helping the body. Yeah. That was going to be one of my second questions because okay, I was I hate think- to jump on your head here. Yeah, no worries. I was thinking of um, not just doing a colonic, but also doing the probiotic retention enema, and I thought that might mm-hmm. also speed up. You know, progress. Uh, that would be good. I would do the clonic first, and then yeah. the retention enema. But I don't think, frankly, with a raw milk fast, you don't need a, you don't need to use probiotics. You can, and they're they're fine. They're therapeutic, especially if you have a good live probiotic. Mm-hmm. But um, they're not really necessary in a raw milk fast. The enema is, though, especially in a case that has um, you know a storied history with uh, with bowel situations and unpredictable possibilities. Um, and, it's, and, and with your bowels not moving now for four days, I think that's what you're experiencing. Because, you know, every drop of blood from the gut goes right to the liver through the portal circulation. And the liver's, uh, you know, going to have to deal with that toxicity. And it's going to uh, it's going to struggle because it can't get it out through the bowel, which would be the, right. normal, the liver's normal reflex. The skin, you probably smell, you know, acetone on your skin, your breath, you know, the whole cleansing effect. Um, the kidneys take on, you know, the urine gets strange. The kidneys are trying to pick up the slack, the lungs. Yeah, but I really the bowels. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. But the bowels are uh, the ideal route of elimination for the liver through the bile, through the biliary okay. system. Okay. Well, what I did was uh, yesterday, I mean, I was passing stool, but, you know, tiny amounts. And it just mm-hmm. felt like, oh, I really need to clear out. So yesterday I thought, that's it, and I took some magnesium. Um, which helped to move things along, but, yeah, it still didn't feel like it was clearing out. So I think I'll take your advice and do, um, I call it a colon flushing enema. <laughs> yeah, so and I will the definitely way, do that. I actually have descriptions that I've written as to how to do a really good home enema uh, or get a professional colonic. Do you have a colon, colonic area? Oh, hang on, you just cut out. Did you ask me if I had a colonic uh, Professional therapist? colonic service? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I do. You know, the only the only problem with that is uh, I do yeah. them myself. Um, I think a lot of people who've had, you know, been diagnosed with an intestinal disease, they've been so brutalized by doctors shoving right. things up their butt that uh, we're mm-hmm. not really too happy with anybody going near our butt anymore. So <laughs> I tend to I do them myself, and I also use um, I buy a disposable enema bag because the tip is much smaller. And uh, that's another thing that, you know, I have I have uh, an anal stenosis, like the internal anal sphincter does not like to open. And I think uh-huh. that's a lot because of the past trauma um, and also stress. Oh, yeah. you know, stress also affects the internal anal sphincter muscle. Sure. So Absolutely. for those reasons, I tend to stay away from, I have never gone for a professional colonic. Um, yeah. And, and, and they do insert a procto, which can get to be a little uncomfortable. 
Um, but with a home enema kit, the, the insert is real small. It can get those two quart hot water bottle um, enema douche combination bags. Do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know you're not referring to that, right? You're referring to a small disposable like yeah. clean type thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can fit like say two cups in there at a time. Right. Um, but you know right. what? As long as you wash them well, you can reuse them several times. It's just you just oh, yeah. run the water through it. With good hygiene, um, you can take the two-quart kits and use them indefinitely. Um, I prefer those because, but it doesn't matter. It just it's going to take more than a couple cups of water. The way I coach people to do the enema is to you know fill the bag, the two-quart bag, with uh, distilled water, uh, preferably about room temperature. You don't want to vary too much. You can go up to 80 degrees, but if it gets warm, it's it's a little more difficult to retain. If it's cold, it's certainly not uh, desirable. Okay. And um, you can use straight water. Sometimes people do use coffee. You've probably heard of coffee enemas and the cancer yeah. therapy and that kind of thing. I don't generally emphasize that a lot, but some people do like that. Uh, no, we, would, we wouldn't want to do that for anybody with uh, IBD or IBS. <laughs> Too aggravating, I would think. Actually, coffee is, is pretty non-irritating. What's really irritating is lemon and stuff like that. Uh, but chlorophyll is very healing and very soothing, and I'll sometimes yeah. use chlorophyll in the mixture. That's an excellent and then I'll have idea. A person yeah, chlorophyll is the best for irritated intestinal tracts, and uh, even aloe vera can be added uh, comfortably to that type of a mixture. Um, and I'll generally hang the bag about uh, you know chest high in a towel bar or a hinge on the door, put a towel on the floor, lay underneath it with a sweatshirt, keep yourself warm, lay on the left side because you know the colon, the rectum yeah. goes up, turns left, doesn't have to turn. Um, insert heavily, lubricate the rectum and the insert. Uh, put the insert in; it's very narrow. Um, You have that little clamp valve that slides along the hose. Mm -hmm. Open it up, let just a little bit of water in, close it, and just relax. You know, massage the water a little bit. Yeah, you'll hear it's, you know, jiggling around. And move it up the left side because that's where the colon, basically the descending colon uh, is on the left side. Uh, Roll over, um, massage, put your legs up if you can in a bicycle, inverted bicycle position, tip your body. You know, actually mechanically move and maneuver your body to distribute the, the water. Right. Uh, then when you're comfortable, not before, um, take a little more water in, half a cup, cup, whatever you're comfortable with. We don't want pressure um, unnecessarily here. Right. And you just keep repeating, massage, change positions, um, roll over, lift your feet up, tip your body. You'll hear the water, you know, swishing mm-hmm. around, and you can move it, and you get comfortable with it after a while, and, and take as much as you can comfortably and then let it out. And generally, it opens up a floodgate, and it just keeps surging. And if you have a half of a bag left, you know, finish it up. Uh, take a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, depending to, you know, to do a good job. But don't force it. Um, don't create too much pressure, and um, take your time and, and make it a good experience, because it really can be. Right. Okay. Well, excellent. And now another question for you. When you're um, putting people on, when you're using the raw milk diet with people, do you do you keep them on exclusively? Well, I know you said you add a fiber drink, but do you add in mm-hmm. any raw vegetable juices or anything like that, or do you keep them exclusively on raw uh-huh. milk for a period of time? Well, it depends. Um, the people that can can tolerate the more aggressive cleansing, I prefer that, but so often I do compromise and you know make adjustments according to the person's uh, situation. Raw, fresh juices are wonderful, vegetable juices primarily, but vegetable and fruit juices mixed. Uh, sometimes fruit juices, too, depending upon the blood sugar stability of the individual. 
Uh, they're wonderful. I mean, I don't I don't hesitate to modify it. I think it's I told you the story about my brother who was the the 280 pound type two diabetic, mm-hmm. and he went two weeks on the fiber drink and the raw milk and and uh, you know occasional colonics, but then he really wanted something more and he was doing great. I mean, he's get he's off all of his meds, his blood pressure med, his diabetic med, his um, Lipitor, you know everything. And he wanted something to eat, so I just put him on raw vegetables. And he loved it because he could eat and chew and, you know, kind of have some semblance of a diet. Right. And so I, I modify according to the needs of the individual, and I kind of play it by ear. If a, if a person's really struggling, the first thing I want to do is make sure they're having good elimination, see where they're at with the enemas, uh, the fiber drink, how they're passing waste, et cetera, because that's the key. If that's functional, people usually do really well and feel great on cleansing programs. Now, what about yogurt made from raw milk? Uh-huh. Well, of course, it's not raw because you have to cook the milk to make the yogurt. Well, so, actually, I have a recipe that you use gelatin, so you just oh. heat it to, um, you know, Very not cool. even 100 degrees, so just body temperature, really. What Do you uh-huh. think that would be okay? Yeah, I do, because, you know, most enzymes aren't really rapidly being killed until you're in the 110 to 120 degree temperature range. Right, right. And uh, some some survive even longer. That's good. That's very neat. I often recommend the kefir because it's so easy and it's completely raw milk. Right. You know, kefir grains, you just add the kefir to the raw milk, basically, and let it, let it ferment. Right. Okay. And so just to run this by you, my last question for you, what I'm trying to accomplish with this is that... Um, uh-huh. If I, you know, previously eating normally, and I can eat anything. I mean, I can even eat, you know, we ended up in Mexico, and I, God knows, I had to eat McDonald's like three times a week. It was horrific. Uh, in Mexico? Just, yeah, there just wasn't anything else that, you know, my kids <laughs> would agree to eat, so I'd have to go with them, and then, you know. So I can I can even eat total garbage now. My system is fine with it, um, not that I want mm-hmm. to. But if I were to drink, you know, along with my regular eating, if I were to drink some raw milk or the fermented bread, you know where instead of using yeast, they use a bacterial uh-huh. culture and they ferment it for 48 hours and then they bake it, either right. of those two things would cause me massive bloating and gas. So, But it wouldn't affect my husband or any of my three kids. They could eat uh-huh. and drink those things with no problems. So I thought, okay, this is telling me that I'm deficient in some bacteria that they have or... You know, maybe when I eat these things, there's enough of the good bacteria in them that it's already causing some kind of a die-off effect in my gut. So the reason I thought I'd go on this exclusive raw milk diet was to give it a chance to completely implant, um, kill off anything pathogenic, and hopefully, you know, improve my, my gut flora to the point where in the future I can eat raw milk and fermented bread um, you know, along with regular food without having the bad effects. Now, what do you, what do you think of that theory? I think, it's a, I think it's a valid theory. I would add one thing to it, and that is you might have something in your gut that they don't have in theirs, which would be a pathogenic microbe of some kind. Right. With your, his, with your history. So that could exactly. be another wild card in the mix of things here. Uh, but still, the approach that you suggested would be uh, effective in that regard as well. I mean, it, if you do have a pathogen in your gut, that they don't have, which is actually triggering these uh, these uh, symptoms that you describe, uh, the approach that you suggested would more than likely help that, and it might even deal with it. It's hard to say, and it might take more than one attempt, you know, to really change the environment. It doesn't necessarily. Right. It's a big. 
the surface area of the intestinal tract, you know, depending upon who you read, is as big as a, a doubles tennis court or a basketball court. I mean, it's a huge surface area, like the leaves of a tree. If you spread them out, mm-hmm. it covers an enormous area. Uh, so the gut is an environment that um, has a tremendous variety of organisms, uh, unbelievably large quantities of organisms, both aerobic and aer- anaerobic, mm-hmm. and it takes time, you know, to really change that environment around, and, and yet it's worth every effort. Okay. Well, that that just sounds really excellent. And I, as I said, you and I could go on, but I'm not because I want to save it for our, our you know really long teleseminar that's coming up. But um, and by that time, I'll have finished my diet, so we'll have even more um, insider things to discuss. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you. If, if you were, go ahead. Oop, are we still on? No, go ahead. If you were my client, I, and you're right now four days into this, I would say um, get the uh, irrigation going, the anima irrigation, whatever it takes, whatever you're comfortable with, and do it thoroughly enough so that you can work that water all the way around to the cecum. You can hear it. You can feel it. You know, the colon goes up the left side, goes transverse across yeah. the rib cage, goes down the right side into the appendix area. You really want to get that water over to, to the right side put extra effort into irrigating and and clean out the intestinal tract add a fiber drink for sure increase your milk because i don't think a half a gallon is really enough at this point okay um and go ahead and add juices if you want if you want to make raw vegetable juices that'd be perfectly fine um if you want to eat raw vegetables that would be fine too um you know we don't have to accomplish everything at one you know in one effort right um, this is this is something that's going to have to be repeated uh, you know over you know a number of times a year when I started this pro- doing cleansing and fasting, I did it four times a year. My teacher had me do it at the change of the seasons. So June 21st, September 21st, December 21st, March 21st, it was automatic, you know. And he always wanted me to work in cycles of seven because, you know, he felt nature worked in cycles of seven, seven colors, seven notes, you know, moon phase, 28 days, 21 days for, for an egg to hatch, uh, 280 days for a baby. So mm-hmm. nature, he felt, was in cycles of seven, and so he wanted me to always go 7, 14, 21, you know. And I try to adhere to that. Not that it's real strict, but I just a little digression there about uh, the fact that it takes time and persistence and perseverance, you know, to, to really change the gut around. Right, I hear so you. So I, I think you'll find, and this would be great for you to have this experience, Jeannie, that if you, if you get the irrigation, the, the colonic irrigation, um, and do it effectively um, mm-hmm. and increase your fiber, and keep your bowels moving and and increase your intake a little bit, I think you'd you'd, you'd get to a point where you felt so good you were having, like, visions. Because there's a reason why, you know, in certain cultures people fasted for visions. And, mm-hmm. you know, all the great spiritual teachers, you know, from Jesus to Buddha to Muhammad, you know, they were all into fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, fasting can bring on tremendous clarity of mental and emotional capacities that are it's just incredible. But you almost you first you have to work through that detox state where your body's just dumping, and you got to help it out. If you don't help it out, oh gosh, you'll be so miserable. Okay. Uh, if time permitted, I would tell you my I had an epiphany on a toilet bowl once. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was like when I was in my early twenties, and and I just had an incredible experience that I think I'll just perhaps uh, wait to share. When yeah, we're on save that for our teleseminar, huh? Because I'm okay. going to ask you again. I'm going to remind you about it. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, okay, well, thank you. This has been, you know, just this little snippet has been um, fantastic information. 
And I will press on, and, and um, I'm going to do that colonic tonight, actually, after the kids have gone to bed, so I'm yeah, not going to disturb. Yeah, call me tomorrow. Let me know how you're doing. Let's stay in touch and work through this so that when we get on your on your broadcast, you can say, wow, I just had a great experience doing this program. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, don't you think? Oh, definitely. 